step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. Happy New Year, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling. Maybe that's a a New Year's resolution you can make is to, uh, next time you go to the local feed store, uh, pick up some Tucker Milling. Number one, you'll save a ton of money. And number two, you'll see some great results with your animals. That's how I got associated with them is that uh, I was currently sponsored by a feed company and uh, I would run out or we had shipping delays getting my sponsored um, feed to me. And I started visiting my local feed store saying, okay, I need some feed before I can get my next allotment from my current sponsor. And uh, I tried all different um, feeds that were available to me. And out of all of those, I saw some great results and bad results, and boy, the great results were from Tucker Milling. So, you know what I did? I reached out to them and said, hey, we need to work together because I really like your product. It's the only feed company in 13 years of doing this. In fact, this is actually, I think, the 14th year of doing this podcast. Um, And in all those years, all my feed sponsors I've had, they're the only ones that I approached. Everybody else approached me. Um, I approached them and said, hey, your product is awesome. Here's the backstory, um, and I'm getting great results. And guess what? It's like six, seven dollars cheaper, uh, and I'm getting it. Literally, the the food I'm using uh, was made two or three days ago from their plant right next door in Alabama. So, um, thank you, Tucker Millen, for sponsoring the show. Maybe that can be your New Year's resolution to try some Tucker Millen feed for all your animals. We use it all here for, of course, our our hogs and. We have cows and our turkeys and uh, what else we got? Goats and 
you, you name it, a rabbit. So, um, but thank you very much for tuning in today. We have a great show lined up for you. Happy New Year, of course. Uh, respiratory illness, respiratory illnesses, uh, because there's quite a few, and tis the season for respiratory illness, both for us humans uh, and for our birds. Though, so, of course, all year long. But uh, oftentimes in the winter, we'll see that, oh, I saw my chicken sneeze. Oh, my chickens are coughing. Oh, I just rescued a chicken and put it in with my other flock without quarantining it for 30 days. And now my entire flock is sneezing and coughing. Um, And so we hear this a lot and a lot during this season as well. And let's face it, a lot of your birds are cooped up, no pun intended, during this season anyway. It's colder outside. They may not want to spend more time outside, depending on your setup. You may have a $4,000 chicken coop and a little 8 by 10 run, and uh, they're staying inside because it's cold, or maybe they don't want to go out in the snow. Um, All the chickens I've ever had in in decades – If it was up to them, they'd be roosting in the trees when it's negative four degrees and freezing rain, Uh, regardless if I bought them a $4,000 coop or not. (laughs) But they know how to survive. They've been surviving. They've been domesticated for about 8,000 years, and and they've been doing just fine uh, without electricity in their coops. But um, respiratory illness, and there's all different – you oftentimes hear about coryza and and all these others, and and sometimes people want to know – you know, oh, my chicken's got a cough. Uh, what's that antibiotic I need to give them? It is right off the bat. And I always really find that kind of funny because it, it, touring the country for a decade and talking to folks firsthand all across the country, I'm like, why did you start your backyard flock? Many, many times, many times. It's, I want to know where my food comes from. I don't want to pull with antibiotics. I don't want to pull with all this other stuff. And I want fresh food for my family. And then their chicken sneezes one time. Whoa, where can I get some antibiotic for my birds? And, and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Didn't you just say you wanted to raise birds with no antibiotic? And now the first time your chicken sneezes, you're running out to get antibiotics for them. Hey, what was that antibiotic called? You got a chapter supply. I need some of that. So, uh, and, and again, as Dr. Uh, Podeski is going to talk about is that that might not be the first thing we want to reach for, and I'm sure he's going to talk about prevention uh, and biosecurity because it's all tied in to no matter what the topic is pretty much with chickens. But um, again, how do we know that bionic, uh, uh, antibiotics is actually going to work? How much do you give? And then now you know, they've taken a lot of the water-soluble antibiotics away, so now you're giving shots, and, and how much do you give? And Oh, I, I can't, there's not a vet near me. Oh, there's one an hour away. And your chickens aren't worth enough to drive an hour away to see the vet. You know, we, we've heard it all. But respiratory illness we're going to talk about today. Uh, so get that pen and paper out. I'm going to go to commercial break. As soon as we come back, I'll bring on poultry uh, veterinarian, Dr. Maurice Pateski. We'll get right into respiratory illness. But I want to say uh, hello to our sponsors here real quick for 2022, which actually, as I was getting the show ready uh, and doing the math, This is our 14th year, well over 1,200 episodes, 14th year of doing this podcast, Uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. So we are entering. Actually, I think it's next month, February 9th was the first show we ever did on AM radio uh, in Atlanta before we moved over about a year later to doing it uh, web-based. And so uh, this is what we're entering in February, our 14th year. So we thank you for all our longtime listeners for making this happen and our longtime sponsors for making this happen. And we'll just go right to our short commercial break, come right back for respiratory illnesses with Dr. Maurice Pateski. Stay with us. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. 
Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. That button flashed and let me know I'm on the air. All righty, thank you very much for tuning in. Hey, also some good news for 2022. I am yet again uh, going to be testing a new product. Uh, of course, it's another shavings product from um, not shaving. Okay, I got my beard going on right now, first of the year. I don't know when I'll shave it off, but um, shavings uh, for your coop and your brooder and your rabbit hutches and everywhere else from American Wood Fibers. They're a longtime sponsor of the show, and you can find their product uh, on Chewy. You can find their product in local farm stores. Heck, you can find their shavings in Ingalls um, and actually Walmart. Uh, so if it's an hour drive to your feed store and you're like, I really don't want to drive an hour, but Walmart's four minutes away, you can go get some shavings there uh, from American Wood Fibers uh, right there at your local Walmart. But these are new. Um, and I'm looking forward to testing them. I want to say they're paper-based, but I'll have to look at all the research material that came with it and scientific material. Maybe they're odor control, like we've been testing those for a while. So we'll see what happens with those. But uh, let's get right over here to the phone lines. We'll bring on our good, good friend, longtime friend, poultry veterinarian, Dr. Maurice Pateski. And thank you for joining us today for this respiratory illness episode. I got your text, so, yeah, there won't be any problem for uh, ending even a little bit earlier. That's perfectly fine. I'm guessing that... Uh, when it comes to respiratory illnesses, um, that, you know, a lot of the quote-unquote treatments 
may be the same, whether you call it this, that, or the other. And uh, I guess it's like humans, maybe we treat the symptoms, not the actual disease or, you know, and we'll get into some prevention and whatnot. But nonetheless, that's your specialty. Thank you for tuning in today and uh, joining us. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Happy New Year. Um, and congratulations or pre-congratulations on your, on your 14th year of the Chicken Whisperer. That's amazing. So. It's crazy. I've got to figure out how the magazine, this may be the seventh year of the magazine. It's either the sixth, fifth, this year. Hang on. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Wow, it may be the eighth year of the magazine. No, I think maybe it's the seventh year of Chicken Whisperer magazine. But either way, we're making some strides. And thank you very much for that. And the podcast is still doing very, very well. I'm so glad. And, um, that, that, that it is thanks to guests just like you. People want to hear uh, one time when they listen what a poultry veterinarian is going to say, how we should treat our birds versus, you know, someone else who may not have a clue. Um, and uh, so we're, we're going to have specialists like you that come on and share all your knowledge with us. And I know you don't mind because I've sent several people to you over the years say, hey, uh, email uh, Maurice and, and ask him these questions and he'll be more than happy to help you because I know he's in his extension and I know he loves educating folks and this is his forte. So reach out to him and ask him those questions he may have. Yep. No, thank you for, for doing that. I, I, I love uh, my, my family will test to the reality that I, I can talk about chickens at parties. <laughs> I can talk about chickens over the phone. I'm, I'm that I'm that person who, who will you you'll have difficulty getting me off the phone but uh speaking for the audience andy i'm i'm sure i'm 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 gl- i'm hoping that you you continue to do this and uh best of health in the uh for the next year cuz you're 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 providing an invaluable service here so keep keep doing it it's uh, it's really important that this kind of information gets disseminated out to the to the general public thank you so much so let's start off with a scenario and we've kind of done this before but you know um Someone reaches out to you, they reach out to me, you see a post on one of the forums, um, I've got a chicken that's really snotty. Um, and, you know, that could incorporate, and we've seen this a whole lot, they'll take a picture of the chicken's face and their eye will be swollen all the way shut. Um, and um, all kinds of junk around it and it almost looks like pus. And are they ever going to see again? And Or maybe they have snot coming out of their nostrils or maybe they're just coughing or breathing that you know you, you've got that call that's a whole lot of symptoms all round up in one but let's let's kind of st- maybe you're going to start where you want to start and that's fine but that, that can be a scenario for us to get started with respiratory illnesses and uh, I'm sure you'll factor in uh, like I said earlier the uh, mild security and prevention somewhere in along the line so we uh, don't maybe have to deal with this once we have it but if we do I'm going to turn it over to you yeah, it, it does happen. Um, even you know, um, under the under the best of circumstances. So when I when I was in vet school, for example, if you'll indulge me on a little a little short story here. Sure. I, I remember you'd go to a horse farm, and you'd go inevitably to one farm, and there's barbed wire and nails all over the places, and the horses are fine, right? And then inevitably you go to this one. Uh, a horse farm where everything's immaculate, everything's raked and swept, and there, there's nowhere for the horses to get hurt. And then literally one nail, the horse, the most expensive horse steps on, and, and it, it causes all kinds of foot problems. So sometimes, uh, you know, they, they, I sometimes think that the, the chickens and the animals um, do well in spite of us, and sometimes they, they, they get sick um, just as a, as a almost like a, 
a karma thing or, 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 or what have you in the sense that we do everything we're supposed to do and they still get sick. And then the neighbor or, or the person, you know, your, your uncle, who's, who's, who's kind of a blowhard, he does everything wrong and, and his chickens are perfectly healthy. So <laughs> I, I understand that, that, and I've heard that story. And as an epidemiologist, I just told myself that that's anecdotal. Um, and we have to kind of look at, at the general at the general reality. But we've all been in that situation where we're the one that's uh, doing everything right, and then inevitably something something goes wrong. So anyway, um, so you're you're. The, I wanted to go back one step. So you talked about your sure. chickens, this chicken scenario that had this kind of gooey um, kind of eye or something like that, or or it's uh, coughing or sneezing or, or whatever. So in order to do that, though, you've got to be the good owner that, that looks for and that appreciates when something like that's going on. So sometimes what happens, and, and this goes to kind of, if you'll indulge me one more time, uh, small animal veterinarians or equine veterinarians, you know, inevitably someone will come to us with a mass um, on their dog or cat or horse or whatever it is. And and it's obviously been there for a while, but they'll, they'll always tell you, like, it just popped up yesterday. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, on the inside, we'll chuckle a little, won't say anything. But, but the reality is it didn't pop up yesterday. And that's why, um, you know, there's a, a saying that chance favors the prepared mind. So you've got a shot at, at stopping an outbreak of a disease if you catch it early. So if you've got this hypothetical chicken that's got you know, coughing or sneezing or some goo or inflammation around the eye. If you see that early and you, you quarantine that bird, you've got a chance that the rest of the birds don't get sick. Um, but if it's kind of gone on for a few days and, and now you're seeing, you know, much more overt clinical signs, then unfortunately probably the rest of the flock has it. And um, that's why it's just really important to be really fastidious with your flock, um, not only having good biosecurity and doing everything you can to prevent wildlife from coming into um, your flock and exposing your chickens to, to various diseases or equipment or shoes, all the things that we've talked about in the past with respect to biosecurity. But it's also important to have that that good eye and to pay attention to how your flock is doing. Are they eating the same amount? Are they drinking the same amount? Do they have the same amount of energy? Do they all look the same? Um, you know, one thing that, that people don't probably do enough is that when they come into their coop and they've got their overalls or their, their clothing and boots that are dedicated to their, to their coop, um, just hold a chicken and listen to it and feel it because um, sometimes, you know, this kind of coughing and rattling, um, if you put the breast of the chicken up against your ear and listen, you can, you can start hearing things that are abnormal. And as we've talked about before, it's really, really hard to understand what abnormal is until you know what normal is. Um, and, and normal, we think we know normal, um, but the reality is, 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 again, if we just pay attention and we start saying, you know what, I, I put that chicken, I was listening to that chicken breathe a week or two or three weeks ago, this sounds different, I'm going to quarantine that bird now um, because I don't want the rest of my flock to get whatever is potentially floating around. And as we all know, with, with COVID and things like that, easier said than done. Uh, quarantining is, there's different levels of quarantine, and, and we all can do the best that we can. Um, but um, it's important at least 
to have a fighting chance to figure out what's going on and to potentially sometimes even treat um, a respiratory disease if we identify it as a bacterial respiratory disease, for example, um, to at least quarantine um, those birds. Now, one thing I did want to mention, and, and I've probably mentioned this in the past, if I walk into a barn of 10,000 birds and I hear I'm walking through the barn nice and quietly and I'm hearing coughing or sneezing, I can, for lack of a better word, I can kind of cheat and I can euthanize one bird and I can open it up um, and I can do a field necropsy. I can look at the, the air sacs and the guts and the lungs and, and I, you can see what's abnormal, right? And if, I, if I'm like, you know what, there's something going on here, then I can take another bird that's also sick and I can take that to a diagnostic lab with the goal of trying to protect those other 9,998 birds. In the backyard world, that's not always possible, and, and this is where it's challenging, and, and it's especially to be a veterinarian, um, when you have three, four, five, or six birds, do we really want to euthanize a bird or two to save uh, the remaining you know, rest of the flock? And that's a much more difficult math equation in that scenario. So I, I certainly appreciate why, why people are somewhat sometimes resistant in working with a diagnostic lab, but, but veterinarians can take samples um, and still submit those samples to the diagnostic lab and the bird doesn't have to die or anything like that either. But it's so important to just try to figure out what disease you have um, because once you figure out the disease you have, um, then you can understand whether treatment is even going to be efficacious, whether it's going to work or not. So if we're dealing with a virus, for example, we just don't have antiviral medications for chickens. So you can give all the antibiotics you want, and you're, you're just wasting time and energy and, and contributing to the misuse of antibiotics. Um, but if you do have some bacteria, including mycoplasma and even E. coli can contribute to, to respiratory infections and pastorella, there are antibiotics that don't have withdrawal periods, um, some of them over-the-counter, some most of them not that work. Um, but um, there are antibiotics that, that you can give to your chickens um, that would potentially be efficacious against whatever bacterial infection you're dealing with that's causing a respiratory disease. So I, I, I sometimes hear people say, well, why am I going to send it to a diagnostic lab? All they're going to do is tell me I have a virus and then I can't do anything. And that's true some of the time, but not true all the time. Um, and for people that don't want to send a bird to the diagnostic lab because it's going to get euthanized, work with your veterinarian. They can take a swab, not as sensitive, but they can take an oropharyngeal swab, submit that to a diagnostic lab, and you can get a diagnosis from that. And, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes our results are inconclusive, and we just have to kind of, you know, use our best judgment at that point. Um, and sometimes that will involve using an antibiotic, and sometimes it won't. So I, I just want people to be aware of sometimes I think we, especially as in poultry, we, we really focus on the flock so much just because that's the way we're trained in the commercial poultry world. But I, but I think for backyards, there are options. Um, and I just want people to, to work with their veterinarians and to be thoughtful about the realities of, of that some of these things actually can be in your in that, that regardless even if you do nothing but you identify that there's a virus that's really important information because giving antibiotics giving bacitracin for example 
or giving some other antibiotic that you just got a, a hold of is, is not really going to help anyone, including um, the patient, the chicken. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, um, just when we're thinking about respiratory diseases, and I, I like, Andy, the way you, you mentioned it, we're, we're all dealing with a, a major pandemic, um, obviously, right now. And um, chickens, as I think most of you know, we've talked about before, also do get coronaviruses. Um, just to reiterate again, the coronaviruses that chickens get um, are not zoonotic. They don't spill over from chickens to humans, right? That's not, a, that's not a thing. That being said, avian influenzas, some of them can spill over from um, poultry um, and uh, birds in general to humans. So uh, one of the reasons that people recommend getting uh, your influenza vaccine is that influenza, um, there are strains of influenza that that are in chickens that that can also cross over into humans. And uh, being fully vaccinated against influenza is really important um, in order to prevent potential reassortments of viruses and and all kinds of things that that, uh, can cause um, future pandemics even, or, or just, um, you know, diseases in, in, in ourselves. So being vaccinated against, uh, against influenza is, is also really important, especially for those of you that work with a lot of poultry. And um, that's definitely a, an area of concern um, for poultry workers. So when we think about respiratory diseases, I know I'm kind of stating the obvious here, but the, you can't really figure out if you have a respiratory disease unless you see what the clinical signs are. That's first and foremost. And uh, interestingly, in the commercial world, you know, there's a big push now to, to develop robotics um, and all types of artificial intelligence that can start detecting and listening for clinical signs. Um, so it's pretty amazing what, where we're headed from a technological standpoint. But at this point, nothing is as good as, as the human um, eyes and ears and Every single day is, is a day that you can be on in your backyard coop and listen um, and observe and start to understand at a deeper level what, what's going on with your flock. As an epidemiologist, I'm, I'm huge into collecting data. So even for backyard birds, understanding how old the birds are, how heavy they are, how much they're eating, how much they're drinking, um, how many eggs they're producing a week. If that changes, then you might be able to tell even before some of the clinical signs start that there's something going on. Um, but one of the things that commonly happens, the two big things that commonly happen when someone calls up who's a backyard poultry owner, an enthusiast, I'll ask them, well, has, have they, are they eating less? Are they drinking less? Are they producing less eggs? Are they moving less? All those type of things. And I kind of get a, eh, you know, kind of a maybe a lot of the time from folks. So um, having that kind of data is really important. And then kind of the, the softer kind of skills of being observant, you know, when you're really going to be able to watch your chickens kind of in their own environment the best is, is before you even get in the coop, um, before they even realize that, that you're there. So if you can, you know, kind of make it part of your routine just to observe them from a distance, um, then when something weird is going on, you'll, you'll be so much more prepared and so much more confident in your ability to be like, you know what, they're still producing the same amount of eggs, they're still eating the same amount, but something weird's going on, um, and I'm going to keep a close eye on them at this point. Um, the other thing I've noticed, too, is that I've only had one owner um, that I've talked to of backyard birds 
um, that actually quarantined a sick bird before they called me. So most of the time, by the time someone calls me, the clinical signs, coughing and sneezing and tracheal rattles and all those things, those are all going on already. And then I'll say, well, have you quarantined that bird? And, and most people haven't done that. I, I, like I said, I think I've had one owner that's done that. So that's the first thing you can do. That's our, as, as we know from our own experiences, if you get sick, you got to quarantine and, and, and hopefully that makes transmission, that, that transmission hasn't happened to the rest of the flock. Um, so it's, it's worth a try. So how do you do that? Make sure in, in anticipation of that scenario happening, um, you do have a, a, a sick pen. Um, just an area in the other corner of your yard, for example, where you can keep um, um, your, your, your chickens that are sick. Sometimes that's not viable for some people. They either don't have the space or they don't have um, the proper equipment. Um, but, but in a perfect world, that's, that's what you would, you would do. Um, so things to look out for, coughing is, is relatively, um, you know, a cough or two is, is somewhat rare, but you'll get it. Um, sneezing and sniffling, very common. Shaking of the head, you'll get reverse sneezing um, and tracheal rattles, almost like this is gurgling in the trachea because there's just gunk in there. Um, irritation and inflammation around um, the mucous membranes of the eyes, so kind of that puffiness that, that you described a little earlier. Uh, those are the things that we're typically looking for when we're dealing with a respiratory disease. Um, None of those, unfortunately, are what we call pathognomonic, and that's just a fancy way of saying if something's pathognomonic, then we know that it's a specific disease. So none of those are pathognomonic for a specific disease, and that's why the reality is if, if someone ever tells you, well, that's obviously coryza or that's obviously infectious laryngeotracheitis, or you've got virulent Newcastle disease, you need to kill all your chickens, Right. It, it just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. I wish it did. Um, but the reality is now you're, you're, you're at the next level, and hopefully you're able to quarantine your birds. And once you're able to quarantine them, um, then you can start working with your veterinarian to figure out what's going on. And, and the veterinarian and folks like myself, um, you know, what we can offer um, I'm not in private practice, but, but at least we can give some context. If we know that there is an outbreak of uh, ILT, infectious laryngeotracheitis, going on, for example, and we know roughly what geography you're in, someone like me, while I'm not, your, I'm not a private veterinarian, at least I can provide some context, right, because I, I have a little perspective about where maybe certain outbreaks of disease are because that's kind of what I study. Um, a, a, a veterinarian who treats backyard poultry, what they're going to be able to offer is they're going to be, be able to offer um, a client-veterinary-patient relationship, which is essential if you want to get your hands on uh, antibiotics, for example. Um, that veterinarian is essential. You're not, most of these antibiotics are not available over the counter. There's literally three antibiotics. That, that have zero withdrawal period. So in my mind, when I'm dealing with typically most backyard poultry owners are, are, are in it for the eggs, not the meat. So the three antibiotics that can be given, bacitracin, chlorotetracycline, and erythromycin, those are three antibiotics that if used properly, don't have any withdrawal period, meaning that those antibiotics won't have any residues 
in their in the eggs that you're going to eat. And I know Andy, you talked a little earlier about this reality of like you know one of the big reasons that 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 people really want backyard birds is they 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 don't trust um, or don't want the, the any risk of any antibiotics or 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 other you know chemicals in their eggs. So kind of using these these antibiotics willy nilly is is not really doesn't really kind of dovetail with that um, with that with that goal. Now, of those three antibiotics, um, two of them are, are, are not available over the counter. So the only antibiotic that's available over the counter is bacitracin. Um, and what I would tell owners is that if you have a veterinarian that, that you work with that treats backyard poultry, just make sure you have a relationship with them in the sense that you they know who you are, you know who they are, and... If something happens, you can go to them and they can potentially take a swab and identify what type of bacteria are present. Um, and if they find a bacteria from that swab, from that oral pharyngeal swab, um, that's, that, uh, let's say, bacteria like mycoplasma, for example, um, then they can make recommendations on the antibiotics, chlorotetracycline or erythromycin, that, that are going to be able to most likely work against that type of bacteria. So if, however, they find no bacteria and, and they find a virus, I would want to know that because I don't want to spend money and time uh, treating a disease that doesn't exist. And, and I think that's a really important kind of be aware of. So Big picture when it comes to, to respiratory diseases, we don't know whether they're bacterial or viral. Um, and it's so important because of that to, to work with folks like myself, um, also uh, folks that are small animal veterinarians that self-identify as treating backyard poultry. So that's becoming a little more common. So for those of you in California, um, on the UC Davis Cooperative Extension Poultry website, um, we have um, a whole list of small animal veterinarians by county that self-identifies treating backyard poultry. And several of them, when they have questions, they'll just email me. And I, if I don't know the answer, then I've got all these amazing resources at UC Davis um, that can give them some, some insights on that. Treating backyard poultry with antibiotics is kind of a challenge because you've got to remember most of these drugs and the instructions for them are for treating thousands of chickens at a time. So kind of trying to, to, to um, identify how to you know, do the math and to make sure that, that you're treating the birds correctly is, is, not, is not trivial, even for the folks that are trained to do it like us, because we're, we're used to much larger um, um, flocks, for example. But we can always give um, um, kind of our two cents on, on the best way to, to make that work. So those are the, the big things I really wanted to stress. Um, that there is no such thing as a, you know, kind of pathognomonic um, kind of clinical sign. Um, but I did want to kind of mention a couple more things just about the, the most common diseases um, that are respiratory diseases. And, and I wanted to start off with, you know, I, I know we all have, unfortunately, a very intimate relationship now with, uh, with, with coronaviruses, and, and chickens do get coronaviruses too, and, and I just wanted to kind of reiterate that. Uh, they get um, an, a coronavirus that we call infectious bronchitis virus. And uh, interestingly enough, infectious bronchitis virus, it, it's, 
similar in some ways to coronaviruses, and that most coronaviruses are, are not horrible, horrible, horrible. They don't cause a lot of mortality and morbidity. And infectious bronchitis is, is kind of one of these viruses, I think, that gets ignored a little. We, we focus so much on avian influenza and virulent Newcastle disease. Um, but the reality is that uh, infectious bronchitis virus probably causes the most economic damage around the world. And uh, interestingly enough, the, the vaccines for infectious bronchitis virus, they don't work always the best, um, in part because the, the virus changes um, and uh, the poultry industry is, is kind of learning how to live with that and how to um, match the vaccines, the current vaccines against the types of infectious bronchitis. There's a bunch of different types floating around um, uh, the U.S. And, and trying to kind of sequence them, and then determine uh, what vaccines are going to be most efficacious for those strains that are floating around different parts of the United States is, is, is a lot of art and a lot of science kind of combined together. Um, but it is one of those viruses. It's common. Um, one of the things you look for that's almost pathognomonic is the eggs themselves. If you ever see an egg that, that has this almost leathery kind of feel to it, um, and it's, it's, it's dimpled and rough, um, that's one of the signs of infectious bronchitis virus. So if I'm a commercial poultry veterinarian and I go to a layer farm and I'm seeing respiratory signs, one of the first things you'll try to do is just look at the eggs. How do the eggs feel? And if I see those two things, if I'm seeing a respiratory virus and drop in egg production and the eggs that are coming out are kind of have that leathery type feel, um, then I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more confident that, yep, that's what we're doing. That's what we're dealing um, uh, with at that point. So um, important to kind of understand. And, you know, the reality is we have vaccines that we use in the commercial world that we would never use in the backyard world. And, and this is probably, well, not probably, this is one of those examples. But understanding what you're dealing with is really important. And sometimes, you know, if you're dealing with infectious bronchitis in your chickens, probably not going to cause a lot of mortality. will cause some morbidity sickness um, is, is kind of a, basically what morbidity means. Um, and sometimes you just want to know that so you can let the virus just uh, run its course and then have your birds, um, you know, get better and, and get back to normal. The one thing I would be aware of is that if you're going to get new chickens into your flock, um, just be aware that that virus um, could still persist and that it could you know, kind of cause a new infection. And that's why in the commercial world, we don't introduce new, new chickens in the middle of a flock, but in the backyard world, that for various reasons. Right. Right. I was going to ask that. I was going to say, you know, uh, out of the most common uh, respiratory illnesses that you would see in a backyard setting, six, eight, 12, 25 birds um, in a subdivision, and they have a respiratory illness, out of, out of those more common ones, how many, like you just described, like mom would always say, well, you just got to let it run its course. You'll be better, son. No problem. You know, if, if we just take that, that attitude and say, you know, I don't want to resort to antibiotics. I don't want to, you know, maybe I can try some all natural stuff, maybe some bed RX on the nostrils or, or whatever. But if we just say, you know, let's, let's let it run its course and see what happens. Are there any of the kind of the top common backyard respiratory illnesses that are just going to be completely devastating? Like you'll walk out the next day and they just start dropping a lot. I mean, I guess that's always a possibility, but are, are, are any of them or any of the common ones that drastic where 
you know, I really need to get on this or I'm going to lose my whole flock or is it, or we or can we realistically take that? Let's just see what happens and maybe that'll run its course and everything will be all right. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Andy. Uh-huh. The, the two ones, and fortunately they're not common in North America, the two ones where, where you would have that scenario of, you know, kind of massive mortality uh-huh. Um, would, would, would be virulent Newcastle disease, which we get in Southern California, as, as uh-huh. people are aware of, for various reasons, and avian influenza, which um, uh-huh. there's some avian influenza right now on the east coast of the United States and, and some waterfowl that haven't, as far as I know, moved into any of the domestic um, populations. So if you did see what you're describing, if you walked you know, literally into your flock and 90% of the chickens are dead, that's when you're yeah. worried about, you know, that's one of those two. And, and those now, now you want to um, immediately contact, you know, your, yeah, your veterinarian that, or, or someone like me. Yeah, dial that 800 number from the USDA and say, oh, your state vet or exactly the local diagnostic lab. Or if you have a vet you work with, yep. exactly say, I just lost 90% of my flock in two days and something's up. So, Okay. Um, yep. And thank goodness, like you said, those are somewhat rare. And so, because um, oftentimes you'll see, uh, maybe even more times than not, if you follow the post or the thread long enough, they either run out and get antibiotic, right or wrong, dose correct or not, and give it. And then, oh, my birds are fine. They're great. This this actually worked. They have no idea if it worked or not. If they would have done nothing, the birds mm-hmm. probably you know, could have just worked it on out through it. And so um, you see that uh, an awful lot as well um, if you kind of follow that along and you just kind of think in your mind, well, you know, they could have been absolutely just fine with, without anything and gotten, <clears throat> and gotten through it uh, with, with no issues. So, hey, let me go because I know you need to run here right before one. So let me go to my next commercial break and we'll come back and you can cover some more things that are uh, important that you want to get across for this um, Oops, sorry about that. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about respiratory illnesses uh, in our backyard flocks with poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Bateski. And this episode, if you're a new listener, uh, will be available um, as a podcast, archived, if you will, in its entirety, just moments after the show ends. I would say within 15 minutes, you'll probably be able to go back and listen to it into its entirety and see if you missed anything and take some notes and things like that. So we'll take another quick, short commercial break, and we'll be right back with respiratory illnesses in our chickens. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. 
Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. Yeah, also want to send a quick shout-out to our good friends over at Carefree Enzymes who also make <clears throat> some really cool um, all-natural products for our backyard flock. We've been using them for years. I think the first time I had lunch with uh, Patrick, who owns Carefree Enzymes, was probably back 2010, maybe, so maybe 12 years ago, when we got introduced to his products. You may know them um, <clears throat> more when you're walking through the stores like the uh, – because a lot of companies will take his product and relabel it. And so you may be familiar with like the Manapro um, uh, poultry protector uh, for mites and lice, but uh, that's his product in the bottle um, and scaly leg protector uh, that he's got as well for scaly leg mites. He's got water protector that you can put into your water um, and he's got some coop cleaners and some uh, uh, coop bedding spray to keep insects away. He's got a whole array of really, really cool products. Um, he even has products that you can – okay, let me think for a second. It's hummingbirds. It's hummingbirds or bees? Maybe it's a product that – anyway, if you're into hummingbirds and bees, he's got some products, and some of them just came out, which are truly amazing. Um, and I just can't off the top of my head right now remember – what they are for, but something that the bee folks and the um, hummingbird folks would absolutely be able to utilize. So carefreeenzymes.com is if you want to check those folks out. They even have, he even has stuff that uh, you can put in, uh, of course, we don't advocate having wild bird baths and wild bird feeders in your backyard with your backyard poultry. Uh, because that's just basically attracting disease to your backyard. Uh, Dr. Bridget McCray did a great article in Chicken Whisperer magazine about that several years ago. I still share it very frequently um, because people will often say, hey, can I buy this bag of bird feed, wild bird feed for my chickens? Is that going to be okay for them? And then notoriously in that comment section, you'll have, oh, the first thing I do when I let my chickens out is they run over to the bottom of the bird wild bird feeder where the wild birds have scattered all the bird's feed down, and they just uh, are so excited to have a smorgasbord. <clears throat> and, of course, while they're eating all that bird seed from below that bird feeder, that's also where all those wild birds poop, and then there you have it. So you're going to have mites uh, or lice or these infectious illnesses that we're talking about now or maybe even worse, so uh, we don't advocate that. But they even have things that you can put in your wild bird bath. Let's say all your wild bird feeders and what are in the front of the house uh, and your chickens are in the back. Um, they have things you can put in the uh, bird tank as, as, as well, the bird bath and whatnot for them. So check them out, carefreeenzymes.com. Uh, All righty, so uh, just a few more minutes here with respiratory illness with our good friend, poultry veterinarian Maurice Pateski and Dr. Maurice Pateski. And uh, I'll let you continue with some things that you wanted to convey to our listeners before you head out. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Andy. Um, you're reminding me when you're talking about the, uh, the, the bird seed, um, 
it reminds me of my kids when I when I try to give them trail mix. They they inevitably eat all the chocolate chips and the M and M's and the raisins and the peanuts are are just stuck there for the grown ups. So, and that that the chickens and and animals do the same thing. Obviously, they pick the you know when you feed them chicken scratch, they, then they have a choice between chicken scratch and and the pelleted feed. They'll they'll choose chicken scratch as potato chips. I I would I do the same thing every day, unfortunately, sometimes. So you know it's funny. I have a great. It was about three or four years ago, and I've got a great – it's not even time-lapse. It looks like time-lapse, but it's not. It was a live Facebook video I did, and I said, guys, check this out if you don't believe me, what I've been harping on all these years. And I sprinkled out about a basketball round size area of um, laying pellets. And then once all the chickens kind of came over, I sprinkled out on top of the land pellets a nice coating of, I think it was scratch. And you can see, it's not time lapse, it's live, how all of a sudden that camera, it just, you can see all that scratch go away. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. we, we all, all love our carbs, right? <laughs> It's so funny. And that's another thing I don't understand. I really don't understand it because we tested this product, too, a couple of three years ago, and you can go and see the results. We didn't have really good results with it, but some other companies have started out uh, mixing uh, with pellets. Uh, basically it looks just like scratch with some pellets mixed in and not that they get away with it but I say they get away with calling this nutritionally balanced feed because all of the nutritionally balanced stuff are in the pellets they happen to add to the scratch and so people are of course going to say oh my chickens love this this is oh they love it so much Mm -hmm. Uh, and when we've tested these type of products we notice that all the scratch grains are gone and all the pellets are left, which makes it nutritionally balanced. So, and I've seen some posts where they're like, man, I switched to this stuff, egg production dropped dramatically uh, because, again, they were eating all the treat out of the food bag and at the feeder and all the pellets, which made it nutritionally balanced, were, were left. Um, and then our, our, that's, in our case, when we were testing this, all that was left were the pellets, and I still wouldn't add anything to it. I'm like, okay, you got pellets or nothing now. They would finally eat the pellets in some cases, but I'm like, okay, so they ate the pellets on Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, they had nothing but scratch, and then they eat the pellets on Saturday. Um, that's still – they're still not getting a daily <laughs> nutritionally balanced. like eating, okay, I'm going to have pizza and corn dogs all week, but I'll have some broccoli on Saturday, and, uh, and that'll be good because it's nutritionally balanced. So that that's the results we got, but uh, some – folks are kind of doing that with their feed. So, okay, continue, please, with the respiratory illness, and you just head on out when you got to head out. <laughs> okay, well, great. Um, so the, I, the, I kind of wanted to save the most important one for last when it comes okay. to kind of the causative agents, and that's mycoplasma. So uh, we've probably talked about mycoplasma but, but in the past, but just to reiterate, uh, mycoplasma is a bacteria, and in the backyard world, there's there's kind of a it's it's considered somewhat ubiquitous, uh, so very common. And if your backyard chickens have those rep- respiratory signs that we talked about, coughing, sneezing, nasal discharge, conjunctivitis, kind of irritation um, around the eye, uh, swelling of the sinuses around the eye, all those type of things, you know, drop in egg production, all that kind of stuff too. Um, then, then especially in the backyard world, we think mycoplasma first and second and third. And then, and then, um, if we're proven wrong, eventually then we, then we go somewhere else. And that's, that's why I wanted to mention, you know, mycoplasma is a bacteria and and there are some antibiotics that can work against it. Um, to your point, Andy, 
Um, mycoplasma doesn't have high mortality. Um, so sometimes the wait and see approach is certainly um, reasonable to consider at least. Um, in the commercial world, we need to know a little more about that because we're losing some productivity in that point, and that's, that's a key. Okay. The margins are so narrow um, that it's a real issue. A couple of things I do want to point out, though. If you do have mycoplasma, um, a lot of people go to shows and they trade birds, and, and I've, I've had people reach out to me who are, are breeders, and mycoplasma, first of all, can be vertically or horizontally transferred. And that's just a fancy way of saying mycoplasma can be spread um, from the hen to the, to the chick. The, the developing embryo can actually have mycoplasma. If you get hatching eggs, um, it's really important to understand that if you're a breeder, for example, that your, those hatching eggs um, can, if you've, if you've got mycoplasma in your flock, and you're trying to get rid of mycoplasma, um, consider the breeders also. Uh, it's very relatively common for the breeders to be positive. And unfortunately, um, the best way to deal with that scenario is to depopulate the flock. Now, in the backyard world, if you have a backyard chicken that's got mycoplasma and that chicken's not going anywhere, to me, I, I don't see that as a huge issue. Um, they, like we said, it's not a high mortality disease. However, if you're breeding or if you go to shows, now we have kind of a, a conundrum in the sense that there's a lot of people that unfortunately breed and go to shows that have mycoplasma that never test for mycoplasma. So those folks just go on about their lives and they just assume, oh, my chickens are healthy or they just got a little sniffle, you know, I'll wipe it off before the show and they'll be fine, right? There's some of us that are more responsible from my perspective, and they would have those birds tested. They find out it's mycoplasma. They talk to their veterinarian. Their veterinarian says, eh, mycoplasma is ubiquitous. There's probably a gazillion other birds at the show that also have mycoplasma. It's fine. And then there's also like this third group of people that get the tested and that find out they have mycoplasma, and they're like, okay, I can't in good conscience now, um, especially while these birds are somewhat sick, I can't take them to the show. The problem is now that mycoplasma can persist. So let's say you actually went to a veterinarian and treated your birds for mycoplasma. You found out that they're, uh, they isolated mycoplasma. They were able to figure out that it was sensitive to chlorotetracycline or erythromycin, whatever the, the antibiotic that the, the veterinarian prescribed. You use that antibiotic now, in that scenario, can those birds, the chicks from those birds, can, can you sell those birds? Can you bring them to shows? And if you talk to someone that knows a lot about mycoplasma, they would possibly say no because the antibiotic didn't probably get to every little nook and cranny of the chicken. That's, that's unfortunate with one of the realities of antibiotics. So maybe they eventually can um, have low levels of mycoplasma come back and have some of those clinical signs or, or just be a carrier um, that's asymptomatic moving forward. So what, that's what makes mycoplasma so challenging. In the commercial world, we'll just depopulate typically, um, and we'll, um, those carcasses will be uh, eliminated in such a way that we can you know, hopefully prevent mycoplasma from spreading to the next flock. Um, but in the backyard world, it's a little more challenging, and it's especially more challenging for people that are breeding and especially more challenging for, for people that are going to shows. Um, what iteration of, of, of 
biosecurity and uh, quarantine and treatment they're going to follow. And that's, that's a hard thing. I, I think when I talk to owners, one of the things that I'm always, you know, that, that in my mind, I want to provide them the information. I don't want to always tell them what, what I think is the right answer because I, I think it's in some cases, I don't want to punish someone for doing everything and treating and even sometimes getting negative tests back and, and now I'm going to tell them, well, that's still not good enough because if we did a necropsy, maybe we'd find a little mycoplasma that could have potentially transmitted to another chicken. So it, it's a slightly difficult kind of conversation. But, but mycoplasma, you know, the, the, the dogma is, is that it's somewhat ubiquitous in all backyard poultry. That doesn't mean that everyone's backyard poultry has it, but it's just something to be aware of. Um, and um, antibiotics can work. Sometimes there's a lot of antibiotics that there's a lot of resistance among mycoplasma. Um, so there are some antibiotics, including some that have egg withdrawal periods um, that, that do have some efficacy, but it, it's, there's nothing that's perfect, right? And, and we all know that when they say this antibiotic works against this bacteria, that's, that's a simplification. The reality is, is that even if you use antibiotics 100% properly, there's going to be some resistance. That's, that's kind of the way the bacteria work. Um, and it's just something to be aware of kind of moving forward. And that's why, and I'm, I'm just going to circle back to, you know, the, the most important topic when, when we're dealing with, with, with uh, respiratory disease, that's why prevention is so important. So purchasing your birds from the National Poultry Improvement Plan, um, inspected hatcheries is really important. I understand that most NPIP hatcheries, there's a woman that, that I think through, through you, Andy, reached out to me a couple of years ago and mentioned that most NPIP hatcheries don't do mycoplasma surveillance or testing. That's not part of most state programs. That being said, if they're part of the NPIP, at least you know that they're following, you know, basic biosecurity practices and that those facilities are being inspected. So at the minimum, I, I would describe those facilities as kind of top of the pyramid when it comes to biosecurity. Sometimes you get bad luck and you just get a, a flock or you get some, some, some chicks or some hatching eggs that, that have disease. But, you know, if, if you want to be the most cautious, uh, working with those MPIP hatcheries is really um, going to be in your best interest. And then when you're working with these multi-age flocks, you know, we all, almost every backyard flock has, you know, some chickens they got from one place, a couple other chickens from another place. So when you inevitably do bring new chickens into your flock, quarantine them for, for seven to 10 days and keep an eye on them. And if they've got any of those clinical signs we pointed out earlier, those are birds you, not, you, do, you do not want to integrate into your flock. So uh, with that, I'll answer any questions. And I uh, wanted to thank you again for your time and, and wish everyone a, a happy new year. No questions from me. It was great. Hopefully lots of folks took some good notes and can refer back to this when they walk outside and, um, and have that coughing or sneezing chicken or see that swollen eye and, and whatnot. So uh, thank you very much for uh, elaborating on respiratory illnesses in our backyard flocks today, and we'll look forward to seeing you again uh, in February, second, second Thursday in February. We look forward to seeing you then, Doc. Thanks for coming on so much. Great. Thank you, Andy. Have a good, thank have a good you. month. You too. Bye-bye. Alrighty, that's going to wrap up a, another show of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And remember, Backyard Poultry Enthusiasts, Chicken Whisperer Magazine is there for you to utilize.
all of the folks that write for Chicken Whisperer magazine are poultry scientists, poultry veterinarians, poultry nutritionists, and uh, they have some great articles over the last seven years of this magazine. And you know what the best part is? You can access all of that information for free. Seven, eight years we've been doing the magazine, no bait and switch, no, oh, by the way, sign up for free, digital edition, and then guess what? It goes away and you have to buy the print edition for nine ninety five per year. No, we have plenty of people that buy the nine ninety five print issue every year. We mail it right to their mailbox. They sit in their easy chair and flip through the beautiful color pages of Chicken Whisperer magazine, but you can access it absolutely free at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. It's a great laid out website. You can see articles from the future mag- the future current magazine uh, and all the past magazines. So you can read every single article from Dr. Pateski, Dr. Curran-Gehring, um, <clears throat> Dr. Uh, Bridget McRae, Dr. Zach Williams, uh, Dr. Jessica Fox, um, all of them. <clears throat> from the beginning, seven years of information from these experts at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. We hope that you will take advantage of that. And if you want to have a real live uh, issue, if you will, mail to you, we can do that as well. You can subscribe to both the digital edition, which is free, and the uh, print edition for $9.95 per year. And it comes out four times a year, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And so we hope you have a great rest of your January. We're here in Georgia. Uh, Everybody's yelling about snowstorm, ice storm, and winter mix and, and all this stuff. So everybody's running to the stores and getting eggs and milk and bread and meat and, and everything else because uh, they're saying that the deep south here could get anywhere from three inches to over a foot of snow, depending on where you live, where this line comes in. And I'm still skeptical being a lifelong Georgia resident when they start talking about a system that's off the coast of Hawaii that will affect us on Sunday, and it all depends on another system that's coming up and bringing moisture, and they have to collide, and one's going to go over the other, and it depends on where they meet, how they meet, what they do when they meet, and what the temperature is at that very time. Just a little skeptical, but hey, you know, you want to be a little prepared just in case it actually happens. So what am I going to do to prepare my chickens? I don't know if I have – yeah, i got enough time to tell you. Nothing. Um, They're going to be just fine. So hope you all have a fantastic rest of the week, rest of the month. Uh, We'll actually see you next Thursday right here on Blog Talk Radio uh, with poultry scientist uh, Dr. Bridget McRae. And so we hope you can join us then right here, 2 p.m. next Thursday. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.